is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. We're recording live Tuesday. Excited to be in the building, in studio. I got my main man, Greg Biggins, 247, formerly of Scout.com, national recruiting analyst, 20-plus years in the recruiting game. Greg Biggins, I don't know how you've done it. I don't know why you've done it, but you have done it. And let me tell you, with my recent experiences with these high school kids, my hat is off to you figuratively and literally right now. GB, how are you? I was going to say, you're kind of starting to live my world with all the travel and you're doing and dealing with high school kids yeah. and yeah. different cities all the time. Yeah, It's a grind, my guy. It's uh it's a definitely a grind. It is a definite grind. It is taking a little bit of a toll on me, but uh, I'm not the one to make excuses, and I'm not the one for sympathy. So, you know, I'm quick to bounce back because that's what I was taught by the game of football. And, uh, GB, we are recapping last Friday's championship games. I know there were some exciting games out there, and we'll get to that. But before we do... The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. You got some recruiting nuggets for us. What you got, Greg Biggins? Just a little bit. Not too much. Kind of calm before the storm. Obviously, it's a live period right now, which means home visits. Those started on Sunday, and then there'll be some big trip weekend this week. So last weekend was was kind of the calm before the storm. Still a couple of commitments. Jalen Cropper, I think, shocked a lot of people. Uh, Coming to Fresno State, I, I love it. You know, I love the whole hometown hero deal. Yes. And I'll tell you what, man, not even his close friends. I saw Kendall Milton and uh, before the St. John Bosco Notre Dame game. He was out there watching that game and going to the USC Notre Dame game the next day. He's obviously a teammate of Cropper. And he thought Utah. We all thought Utah. But uh, apparently he made a decision Sunday morning, the day he woke up and the day he announced. Uh, and he decided he wanted to stay close to home. So Fresno State, is, it, it is. He plays both sides of the ball, but he's going to be a receiver for the Bulldogs. So one of their biggest, just from a name standpoint, one of their biggest commitments in a, in a long time, kind of getting this guy had Nebraska had recently offered, Cal was pushing hard, and obviously Utah was the uh, the crystal ball favorite, but Jalen Cropper is going to Fresno State. I like it. I like it a lot, Greg, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're a hometown guy. The hometown program is no slouch. They are back in the Mountain West Conference Championship game versus Boise for the second year in a row. They've got a proven head coach on a high, on a college and professional skill that's known for developing quarterbacks and helping receivers get open in space, which Cropper, I think, excels at. And, you know, for a guy who's from the area to stay home and play for the up-and-coming program to take to help take them to new heights, um, I think it's a great story. Uh, it's easy to root for. And I think Jalen is a guy who's willing to take on that kind of responsibility and, and really kind of carry the city on his back. So uh, congratulations to Jalen and the Cropper family. And I got some... Uh, I've got some some news I'm going to share about Jalen maybe next week. So it's a good deal. 
Cool, cool. Um, I know you're gonna love this one, Keith. Our boy Seven McGee is back. Keith. <laughs> Seven McGee is back in the fold. He is recommitted to Oregon. For those who know the story, he committed to Oregon. I want to say like last April. Yeah. Then he moved away to New York. Uh, decided to open it up. He committed in September, and then last night, which was Monday night, he decided to jump back in. And he, he told me he never wanted to decommit in the first place, and um, he was listening to too many people. He had too many people in his head, and he talked to his grandma for like an hour and a half and said, Seven, you do what you want to do. Forget these people who don't care about you. You follow your heart. And that's what he did. And I jokingly said, man, I hope this isn't the first of about four or five more of these seven. And he said, this is it. I'm done. I'm all Oregon. Where I've always wanted to go. It's my dream school. I never wanted to back off. And uh, so he's recommitted. Now, obviously, seven is a sophomore. So he's got two more years before he can sign anywhere. Hopefully that Oregon staff, Coach Mastro, Coach Cristobal, they're going to be there for another 10 years so we can keep Seven McGee as a duck. That's what I have a, you know, an invested interest. I just don't want it. the guy to get a reputation of being a, a flip-flopper. Keith, sure. You don't ever get that reputation of being a flip-flopper. People just you know, start to call you names that aren't always fair, but that's kind of what happens in this business. You know what? Seven is back like he never left, GB. And I saw the tweet and apparently the tweet was deleted after it was sent which was interesting to me um, in addition to that Seven's a great kid right I, I've met this kid I've spoken to this kid before in the past a terrific spirit always smiling bouncing around having a good time but he is young and what what are the odds Greg Biggins and it's just me and you talking on the transparent truth what are the odds transparent truth odds that Seven at some point, backs off this commitment from Oregon. Where would you set those odds at? I'm going to say 67%. Okay. Now, he may still go back with Oregon in the end. Right. I, I definitely could see a scenario where, and maybe even maybe he won't back off the commitment, but I could definitely see a scenario where he takes some trips. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Maybe invites. You know, it's so funny. You mentioned that deleted tweet. I hit him up immediately after that. And I said, dude, I said, uh, are you already having second thoughts on this recommitment? And he goes, no, I just screwed the tweet up. I was supposed to tweet something else. And then he retweeted, you know, a nice long, you know, little explanation. So, yeah. Hey, sticking with the youngsters, Keith, how about a guy who goes by the name of Sam Heward, also in that 21 class? Yes. He's pretty good at football. Yep. Uh, could be arguably the top quarterback in that 21 class. So I always say it's way too early to make those kind of – uh, proclamations because quarterbacks develop late. Sure. But Sam, the Heward family obviously has a lot of ties to Washington, and he went ahead. I don't know if I even said where he's going. He's going to Washington, obviously. Uh, Sam Heward, gifted pocket passers, been put up, putting up video game numbers this year. He decided, why wait, Keith? You know what I'm saying? Why wait? Yeah. And I do think with Sam, not, not because of anything, but just because quarterbacks usually are a little more solid when they make an early, early commitment like Stewart is doing. I think this will stick. Again, Washington is definitely his dream school. He was raised on Husky football. He was bred to be a Washington Husky quarterback. So, great pickup for them. Obviously, Washington is pushing hard in that 20 class. You know, talking about, you know, players that are committed but still kind of entertaining. 
You know, Washington is recruiting Bryce Young extremely hard. Yeah. Extremely hard, Keith. So they have not given up on Bryce Young in the 20 class, and they had their 21 guy locked up, and he goes by the name of Mr. Sam Heward. Love him. Uh, like you said, lineage just coming through that Washington Husky program, talented signal caller. I think it's important, Greg, to get your quarterback committed early so he can be your biggest and best recruiter to help bring on players. A lot of guys on the West Coast are going to you know, be really, really looking forward to playing with the young Sam Heward. He's a productive guy. He's a ball distributor. He gets it out. He gets it out quickly. He's very accurate. And uh, he, he put up some numbers this year that were pretty staggering from game to game. So, you know, Washington getting their 21 quarterback. You expect a guy like G. Scott to be looking at that. Of course, we know Dylan Morris, um, Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy, World Bowl quarterback is already headed to Washington. So, Chris Peterson doing a nice job stacking the cupboard in that quarterback room with some really, really talented kids and some great leaders, Greg, which is probably most important. Yeah, that the underclass group in Washington is loaded. Oh, it's crazy. And 21. Yes. Class. Ironically, you mentioned G. Scott. Washington has yet to offer him. I'm not sure the Scott family is super excited about that, but no. uh, that's a topic for another day. But uh, there is a ton of really good players in that 20 and 21 class. That Washington definitely is in on. Yeah. Um, and it's a couple more here, real quick. Don Chapman, kind of the first casualty of the Colorado coaching situation. He was an early commitment there. Uh, a lot of kids I've talked to, whether it be Mark Perry or Titus Toller, they kind of want to wait and see who the new guy, uh, new head coach is going to be. But Don Chapman, who's at a Lincoln High School in San Diego, pretty solid program out, out there in the San Diego area, he went ahead and flipped his commitment keys to Washington State. So Don Chapman, early CU commit. Now it's going to Washington State. Um, staying with Colorado, uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado offensive lineman Drake Nugget is going to Stanford. And then a guy we expected to commit last week, Stephon Wright, kind of previewed that one a little bit. He was supposed to announce on uh, Wednesday, and the likely school was Arizona State, but he took a visit to Washington and decided, you know what, I'm not ready to do this yet. So he has held off and decided he wants to do his home visits. Uh, Washington, ASU, Oregon, and USC will all be in the home the next couple of weeks, and then they'll make a decision. And, and basically, it's smart. It's not 100% sure. And obviously, Washington gave him a lot to think about on his uh, official visit because he was locked in for ASU. I'm pretty convinced about that. He was ready to go. So uh took a last-minute visit to Washington. It was kind of eye-opening for him. So he decided to back off, and uh, Stephon Wright will now probably decide, I would say, closer to Christmas time. Um, a couple underclass uh, big official visits. DJ will be under the lay, the Boston quarterback. He took a visit to Clemson. This is his second time going to Clemson. Uh, he's out there with his pops this time, big days. And I moved my crystal ball. Actually, I hadn't made a prediction yet, but I, I got DJ going to Clemson now, Keith. I think it was, I think it's Oregon still right there. Uh, Alabama is still trying hard. Auburn is still trying hard. LSU was trying hard. UCLA is even trying hard. But I, I got the sense, man, just talking to DJ, I just think Clemson just kind of fits his personality. He loves the offense. He loves Coach Sweeney. Um, we mentioned before kind of that spiritual connection. He was out there and he saw, he said he, they had like five or six receivers that were 6'4 and 2'10, mm -hmm. and they all could run. Yep. And he, just, it was, he was blown away just by the athlete. He goes, the linebackers, the D linemen, the O line. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's a different animal. Clemson is, is basically Bama. In, in the ACC in terms of just the athletes that they have. Sure, talent, so, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, uh, DJ, I, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I do think Clemson is in a good spot. And then, how about this for a game? How about Clark Phillips, Keith? Was at that A&M game. That yeah. was seven overtime. So, Clark was at that one as a, as a host of the Aggies. He saw them beat LSU. So, uh, Clark, he's getting around, man, as he, as he likes to do. He's taking a couple unofficial visits now. Um, but A&M was his most recent one. And then, Interesting, got to got to watch big Siaki Ika, the big 340 pound D tackle sure. out of Utah. Uh, he was supposed to have a, a home visit with Kenichi Udezi of USC that was canceled. Obviously, we're getting this a, a day late, but it happened today on a Tuesday. But Kenichi Udezi uh, was let go at USC. Wow. Um, so I don't know if that was going to be a huge factor in his decision. I think USC was probably running third or fourth. Yeah. For Siaki, I think. Oregon and Alabama are the top two. I think he likes Alabama a lot. But the question is, will Alabama have a spot left? They're kind of filling up on, on D-line spots. I right. think Oregon might be the, the school to get them just because they are still pushing hard, whereas Bama is still recruiting them. But they also recruit some other guys too, and, and those spots are are pretty precious over there. So uh, the USC coach situation, Keith, is going to be interesting. I'm talking to some people. Mm-hmm. The guys I heard are, are looking like they're going to be safe. Tim Drevno, all-line coach. Yeah. Jerry Colbert looks like he's going to be good to go, and potentially uh, Johnny Nansen. Everybody else I heard might be looking around and uh, sure. and, and let go. So it could just be a, a total clean, cleaning house, completely new OC, new DC, um, potentially a new system unless Helton wants to, you know, kind of take over play calling, but. We'll see, Keith. It's going to be interesting to watch USC. They have a huge recruiting weekend this week. Guys like Brew McCoy, Drake Jackson, Brandon Goldforth, uh, a few others. This, they're all taking their official visits this weekend. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who's on staff at that time they visit and how Helton kind of works, you know, that, that angle of, of kind of selling the program when he hasn't filled all, all of his staff positions yet. So that'll be interesting. A couple interesting tidbits here, Greg. Just saw a picture of Kenichi Udizzi at the house of four-star defensive lineman Mr. Drake Jackson out of Corona Centennial. It was all smiles just a week ago or just a couple days ago. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, uh, casualties of coaching at the college level and not being as successful as expectations might have you to be. Uh, some people are out of a job and it seems like or not seems like I guess Kenichi Desi is out of a job at the defensive line position and I uh, wonder how that's weighing there on Drake and other defensive line prospects uh, number two you talk about a new OC probably coming in that means T. Martin probably going to be let go I thought of an interesting uh, kind of chain reaction Tyson Helton who was the University of Tennessee Office of Coordinator this past year, Greg. He just took the head coaching job at Western Kentucky. That means the Tennessee OC job is open. And I'm wondering if T. Martin, back to Tennessee, where he won a national title in 1998 for the Volunteers as their starting quarterback, would that be a fit for Coach Martin there, back with the Vols? Interesting. We'll see how that unfolds as we move forward here. GB, what do you think? I mean, I, it makes too much sense. Too much the sense. Thing that, right. Too much sense. The thing that, why I would say probably, or, or maybe that's probably too strong of a word, maybe, maybe not, because obviously they had that, they had that chance last year, Keith. 
to, to bring in T before right. they hired Helton. So it's like, you know, if they wanted T, you know, why not just do it a year ago? I mean, is Tyson Helton with his resume that much better than T's? I don't think so. But now you mentioned the job is back and it's open. And, uh, you know, ironically, there was some buzz. And I think it was mostly just people just kind of mocking USC and Helton a little bit. Clay Helton, there was some buzz that he was going to bring Tyson back to USC to be the OC. And uh, they, they kind of, the feeling was, you know, shoot, Clay wants guys that he's comfortable with. Everyone wants to bring in a, some new dynamic guy with no USC ties. And so Clay's going to say, okay, Tyson, you can come back over here. So uh, I think USC fans are excited that Tyson took that Western Kentucky job yeah. just because they don't want him over at USC. You know, there was some buzz. Again, this is on, we're airing on a Wednesday, but a lot of buzz on Monday, Keith, that Cliff Kingsbury, the Texas Tech former head coach, right. was on campus in the LA area and potentially interviewing. I think that would be a home run. And it would be a guy who has no USC ties. He's got a new dynamic offense that's unlike, you know, what USC or Helton did before. So talking to a couple of recruits and some parents, <laughs> I know a lot of people are actually hoping uh, that if Cliff Kingsbury is available and did, it, did interview, they would love to see that. So it's, it's crazy, man. Like you mentioned, Kenny T, dude, he was in Drake Jackson's house Monday night. Right. That picture was Monday night. He was let go this morning and I talked to Dennis Jackson this morning and he said they had no idea right. none wow. uh, on Monday night so just literally this happened this happened either after the visit last night or it happened this morning and right. that begs the question if Clay knew he was going to do this why even allow Casey to go in the home with a player just to let him go the day after right I mean it looks dysfunctional so but that's 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 the nature of the biz it's uh it's pretty crazy so just a couple real quick, uh, just some new authors out there, Keith, real sure. quick, and we'll be done with recruiting notes. Ethan Garbers, Miami, John Humphreys, Notre Dame, a couple of Corey Delmar, 20, 20 kids. Um, happy for uh, Adelanto running back, Marshawn Buchanan, Wadud's boy. Uh, he landed Utah State, which is kind of cool. And then uh, Elijah Badger from Folsom. Everyone thinks Folsom is all about, you know, Bennett and the Nagata Twins, but Elijah Badger, he can go as well. He's a 2020 athlete, wide receiver, DB. He landed Washington State. And then Kenyon Reed from Long Beach Poly, a track guy, uh, picked up an option uh, from New Mexico. I saw him in the Jay Sarah game. He made, you know, a, a ton of big plays. He was basically Poly's lone bright spot that game. So happy for Kenyon Reed. You know, a guy can run, athletic kid, receiver, return man. So he got a big offer for him for from New Mexico. And that is about it for recruiting notes, Keith. GB, thank you so much. I don't know how you do it. I, I really don't. It's a different type of kid these days, Greg. My frustration level has gone through the roof over the past, I don't know, maybe two weeks. I, just, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I'm in awe, literally. And um, I guess it's the nature of the beast. But, man, it's uh, it's something. And so thank you. And... Um, a lot of, lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of respect. But I, I see why you can't sleep at night. I see why you need a monster every morning. I, I get it now. I get it. So, GB, thanks a lot. I got some news, hot off the presses. Greg Biggins, you want to hear it? Of course, I want to hear it. Jalen Cropper. We talked about him a little earlier. Receiver out of Buchanan, Fresno. New Fresno State commit, and now new. Hall of Fame, All-American, World Bowl wide receiver. Congratulations to Jalen Cropper. Been sitting here kind of texting with him as we've been here recording, GB. (laughs) 
And Jalen says, oh my God, coach, what an unbelievable opportunity. I would love to be a part of the World Bowl. Thank you so much. So shout out to my guy, Crop, Jalen Cropper, Fresno Buchanan wide receiver on his invite and commitment to the Hall of Fame All-American World Bowl in Mexico City, December 22nd. December 22nd. What, what day of the week is that? It's a Saturday. And it's a Saturday. Yes, it is. And signing day is the Wednesday, right? You got you got guys who can be signing letters, letters of intent out there? Yes, we have a special uh, a signing day special live on CBS that's going to be more spectacular than the NFL draft. Man, I, I work for CBS. How do I not get this? Uh, how do I not get an invite to come out and, and be a part of the show here? Keith? I think the invite is in the mail, Greg Bingus. Have you checked your box? Keith Miller and Goat Howard are just not not showing me any love over here. No, no, no. The invite's in the mail, my man. Let me tell you, um, it, it's going to be special. I mean, this is something that I created from scratch, and I will, of course I've been helped to put it all together. Um, working with seven-time Emmy director and producer, Mr. George Veras from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, we've created a signing day special live on CBS that'll, that will be more spectacular than the NFL draft. And I promise you that. And it's going to be amazing for the student-athletes. There'll be 35 kids making their decisions, signing live, and hosting um, a couple of different things. I can't really share that right now because it's kind of a surprise to the players but uh, we've got an unbelievable setup for them so it's going to be a lot of fun so signing day NFL, NFL draft is a pretty big deal my guy I hope you're not going to go Vince McMahon on me right now no 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 I'm just, I'm just talking you know, about spe- NFL is no. Than the NFL. no 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 I didn't say better Greg I said more spectacular a little bit of a difference there yeah it's going to have more bells and whistles that are going to be uh, All right, man. more gonna, engaging to our, to to the to the high school player. So, you know, nevertheless, congratulations, you know what NFL draft geek. I am. Yeah, you and I I'm both be watching. I'm you, be watching and critiquing. It's, it's funny you say that, Greg, because what we've created and designed is part NFL draft and part um, high school signing day. You know, regular regulars. So it's what ESPN has done a little bit over the years. No, this no nothing like ESPN has done. This is this is gonna smoke ESPN, leave them in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. So anyway, let's move along, GB. We got to talk some high school ball, it. man. Let's do it. Uh, so thank you for recruiting, by the way. So moving along here, we're talking sleepers of the week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. 
right, we have a sleeper of the week this week. I'm going to let my man Greg Biggins take it over. But a kid that I've been watching now, I guess probably since eighth grade. seems like I've been watching kids since eighth grade all the time. But older brother, very good football player now at the University of Nevada. GB, take it over and introduce our sleeper of the week here. So Jaden Dedman is the older brother Yes, at Nevada, a DB corner that I always liked. Kind of always felt he was overlooked. But younger brother, Julian Dedman, this is a 2021 kid, stepped up on the biggest stage possible. He's, he's playing for a CIS championship race. Upton's got a running back who's pretty good. His name's Cameron Davis. He's going to Washington. He gets hurt. So what happens, Keith? In steps Julian Dedman. Juju. All he does, depending on what stats you're looking at, because they're all different. Right? <laughs> but I'm just going to go with these ones. He went for 169 yards on 21 hard-earned carries. They physically just kind of wore down a really good Rancho Verde team to win a CIF championship for the Upland High School. The kid is just a sophomore. He's going to be the guy next year. He's got two years to be the guy because obviously Cam Davis is going to UW. So Julian Dedman got the gene pool. No doubt. He's got some quicks. Oh, yeah. He's solid. Physically, he runs with an attitude. He runs with heart and passion like Mel Gibson in Braveheart. The greatest movie of all time. Julian Dedman, this week's hit sleep, sleeper of the week. Nice. Juju Dedman. Go. You know, he played on that Snoop team. Played on a Snoop team that was on, uh, was it Netflix? Julian Dedman. Stepping up big in the playoffs. This is how you earn your stripes, Greg. This is how you earn your scholarships. What do you do versus elite competition? Do you come in? Do you flip up your skirt? Do you come in and do you take a bone in your throat? Or do you come in and lay the smash down and handle your business like a real soldier? Juju Deadman, walk it like you talk it. Shout out to the Deadman family, our sleeper of the week. Congratulations. Let's move along, GB. We're talking Friday championship. Championship Friday. We had some really good games, some really big-time performances. Uh, but before we talk about the games, Greg, let's get to our top performers. You, you already talked about it. Juju Deadman, 167, 22 carries or whatnot. He, he blew up big time. I know you really love Jordan Wilmore, another Pro Football Hall of Fame, World Bowl All-American. Greg Biggins, take it over. Top performers, what you got? Yeah, how about Will score? Just all he did was go for 244 and three touchdowns. I think he had over 200 in the first half. Yeah. Put that game away for our boy, Travis Clark. Congratulations, Coach Clark. Yeah. And let me just preface this. Um, our st- stat stars of the week, it's pretty light. Pretty light for us, if oh. we're both being honest here. So yeah. we just want to get that out there, not trying to snub anybody. Uh, E.J. Gable, Sierra Canyon's big win over Cajon. All he did was go for 215 yards and two touchdowns on 26 tough carries. Had some big runs down the stretch when they needed to seal the deal and keep Dan Daniels off the field. They were able to do that. Speaking of Dan Daniels, he always seems to play well no matter what stage. 19 to 32 for 228 yards and two touchdowns. Also rushed for 172 and two scores. But I'll tell you what, man, I want to give a shout out to that Derek Canyon defense. You hold Jaden Daniels to 228 when he usually throws for 500 big games like this. That's a, that's a nice job. Yeah. And then my defensive player of the week, I was at the game, modern day, St. John Bosco. 
Oh, man, I, I love Rayshon Davis, sophomore from modern day. Six tackles, two for loss, two sacks, one huge interception, and the guy was in the backfield the whole game. And what he was able to do, not just the stats, but Brew McCoy played zero snaps yeah. on defense. Yeah. If you played as many snaps on defense as Brew McCoy did because of Rayshon Davis. Rayshon was taking that Brew McCoy role as an outside pass rushing linebacker slash defensive end, but... And dropping into coverage with the interception, just playing in space. So yeah. nice job, Rajon Davis. And then Western High School. We got a record breaker from Western High School. Go with it. Kane Savage, Keith. Kane, that's a great name. Kane Savage, eight catches for 169 yards and four touchdowns. He breaks the single-season record in Orange County with 29 touchdowns on the year. John Humphreys just set that a week ago with 28. Wow. Kane Savage broke it a week later. Nice. Four touchdowns, 29 touchdowns this year as they beat Peninsula to win that D11 title. Western, hats off to them, winning that DL title. Uh, they took a 40-point beatdown from my Ocean Seahawks during league play. <laughs> but, hey, they were able to rally from that and get inspired and uh, end up winning that CF championship. So, those, Pete, that is that's all I got, man. That's, the, that's it. For those me. good old Ocean View Seahawks. I want to shout out Jalen. <laughs> I want to shout out Jalen Davies. He was very oh, impressive man. for me, Greg. We'll get, we'll get to him. Let's get to yeah, him. Yeah. No, he was he was great. Yeah. He was phenomenal. At, at least three PBUs that I oh. saw from the kid. Um and I and and I'll tell you, we'll talk about that as we get to the game, but I thought let's he was about the game. Yeah. Let's go. Let's talk, let's start uh, well, hold on. Why well, not? Oh, let's okay. Let's start let's start let's there. Let, let's just go ahead and get to it. Right? Let's start with the D one final. Why not? Were you, you were there, I saw you on the sidelines. I saw you. I was I was not there. I was not in the city. I was not in Southern California, but I was I saw you on the sidelines, Greg, texting and typing on your phone as you always are. But um, let's talk a little bit about it, my man. Bosco starts off quick. I didn't see the first half of the first quarter. So I got I tuned in when it was probably about six or seven minutes left in the first quarter. But apparently Bosco gets a three and out. They come down and they hit Jude. They DJ hits Jude on the outside. He scampers in and it's about to be a Bosco blowout, right? The bit the, the too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Too easy. It seems like it may have been, may have been a busted coverage. Jude's by himself and uh Bosco's up 7 nothing early. At that point, Greg, what are you thinking? I'm thinking it's going to be a replay of game 1 and um I just hope, as a fan of football, I, I just hope that Modern Day, who put up some, you know, put up a lot of yards, I hope that they can kind of keep up for a little bit. But I, I didn't see any way that Bosco was going to be slowed down by Modern Day's defense at that point in the game. Right, right, right. And, and uh, you know, that was probably the consensus, Greg. Too easy. They were blown out the first game. But one thing I tried to caution myself, Greg, and I said this a few weeks ago when they played, when you got your eye on somebody and that third person has their eye on you, it's very hard to get the focus on that third person because you, as, as the number two, you're looking at that number one and you're trying to, you're trying to knock them off. But number three is looking at number two. That's kind of what Bosco did to Modern Day that first time. Bosco was staring at, excuse me, Modern Day was staring at IMG all off season. That was their focus. That was their Super Bowl. That was their championship. And then Bosco comes in as this hungry number three, and they just smack Modern upside down. So getting back to the game, 
I'm now tuned in. It's about seven or eight minutes to go in the in the first quarter. And the first thing I notice is modern day has not panicked on defense. They're not bringing a bunch of all-out blitzes. They're actually playing base coverage, base front. They're giving DJ time to throw, but they're making him read the field. Something that I thought was going to be important. You can't just sell out defensively. The kid is really good when you give him his first read, and he's going to deliver the football, and it's going to be easy money. So that was the first thing I noticed. Modern day, is they're, they're playing coverage. They're patient defensively. They're playing a base front, and they're, they're, they're making one play per series as either a, a no-yardage run or a penalty to push Bosco back, which I thought they needed to do. They needed a negative play and remain patient without selling their whole defense out on a, on a, on a zero pressure. So before you know it, I'm thinking, as I'm watching, I'm thinking, okay, Modern Day's playing pretty good defense here. They're giving up some yardage on the ground, but they're playing good defense here. You know, what is the Modern Day offense going to do? And then they kind of come alive. But then they get the big turnover in the red zone, right? Bryce fumbles the peel. Greg, what would you see on that play? So I was actually standing right there. Okay. And in that corner of the end zone, and my first thought was, I hate the call, number one, because at that point, Modern Day had to run the ball with Harper two or three times in a row to get to the three-yard line. And then they do the, you know, Bryce, Bryce on the keeper. I'm like, dude, just keep running the football. Right. You're getting – so I didn't think he was touched. I didn't think anyone hit him. I think he just fumbled it. Yeah. And I saw someone had a, a, you know, a phone next to me. And actually, it was Craig. It was Craig Young was next to me. Bryce's mm-hmm. dad. And he goes, shoot, he just fumbled it. Yeah. At that point, I thought that modern day looks to me like they're in the game. So even though they gave up those seven points, I thought, you know what? They're they're physically able sure. to kind of stand up with them. I saw a little bit different, you know, from a defensive scheme. Okay. Um, you mentioned kind of a base. Um, I was able to talk to one of the assistants before, and the strategy, you mentioned Jalen Davies. Mm. He wasn't there for week one, Keith, or game one. Right. Hunter was playing. Um, well, that, Hunter was playing, playing in that, this game, too. Well, I meant, what I meant to say was too. playing that position, playing that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little, yeah. So, what they did differently this game, because I, I still saw them blitz quite a bit, especially in the second half. Second half. Were, yeah, I saw that, yeah. yeah. They, they were sending six, seven, eight guys. What yeah. they did was they just man across the field. Everyone went man, right. cover zero. And they said, okay, if you can beat us, our one-on-one guy, that's fine. But everybody else who's not covering a receiver, he's coming. There were times they sent eight guys, they sent seven guys. Right. Never the, never from the same spot, which is what kind of Eric, what they did that game, Keith, that's what I thought they were going to do in game one, was, you know, try to get DJ out of his comfort zone and pressure him. But in the first game, they did play, man. They played off coverage because they said, this is what the coach told me, he goes, we didn't think he could cover them without Jen and Davies in that first game. They played off, which was, again, if you're going to blitz, I mean, I'm assuming if you blitz, the quarterback's only choice is to get the ball quick. Mm-hmm. So why would you play off coverage and give up those little five, seven, eight yarders like they did in game one? This they, game they yeah. played, this game they pressed them, right? Right. They had those guys pre- at the line of scrimmage. They were all just, and those Bosco guys, 
they couldn't beat the press, Keith. Mm, they interesting. Did, they, did get, they, did get out, they did not get off that press. You, you know Elias and Darion were going to play great, but I'll tell you what, Hunter played really, really well, and Vin and Davies was tremendous. Those yeah. four guys right. were like glue on those receivers. The one mismatch, and I don't know if you saw it, um, you might not have tuned in, but they motioned Trent McDuffie out wide, mm-hmm. and they sent him deep. Moses Cephalano, who also played great. Uh, Moses has been playing free safety now, and he's trying to cover McDuffie down the field, which most corners can't do, more or less a safety who's a converted linebacker. Right. Trent had him beat by five yards. DJ overthrew it. Did you, you remember that play, or had you not tuned in? That was early in the first Maybe it was yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't remember seeing that. Keith, they never went back to that play. Mm-hmm. And that was open. Now, again, I was talking to the defensive coaches after the game was over, and they said the one thing we, we the one thing that we were vulnerable to was if they were to motion out a running back, whether it be George or Trent, it would have been our safety, Moses Cephalanu, um, or maybe even the linebacker against a guy who can run. And we just hope that they wouldn't go back to that because that was open all game long. They, they, you know, they, they played cover. There was no safety help. It was cover zero. So that play, Keith, they, yeah. they could have had Trent going or even Halani going against, uh, you know, and I don't want to say, like, I'm, I'm, dude, Moses was great. He was flying around, but, you know, it's hard to cover a guy who runs 4-3 like Trent McDuffie down the field. They went for it one time. It would have been a touchdown. DJ overthrew it, and they didn't go back to that. And, and for me, that was a mistake, and it was the only time where I thought, you know what? I bet Chad Johnson would have went back to that play. That was the only time in, in the two games this year where I, I thought Chad would have done something that Bosco didn't. But I just, I love the game plan modern day offensively. It was kind of like a basketball team who melts the shot clock, right? I, I don't know if you're able to notice that from, from TV, but they played so slow, and they shoot up the clock, and they didn't break any big runs. I mean, modern day didn't have a, a lot of offense. Right. Um, I think they, they rushed for like 75-something yards. They threw for 150 maybe, but just they chewed up clock. They kept Bosco's deep offense off the field. They managed the game very well. And I think you tweeted this, and I agreed. You know, Modern Day left a ton of points on the board. I mean, if Bryce doesn't fumble going in, yes, they missed the field goal, which on that drive should have been a touchdown because, you know, Steele clearly interfered with Brew McCall in the end zone. That, that's so then they, that same drive, they blocked the punt for a score. That's a 14-point switch. Obviously, you have the seven-point Bryce fumble. I mean, that game could have been, what, 24-7, to 28-7? Yeah. So I didn't think the final score was – I thought the Bosco defense, though, Keith, was really impressive. Just watching them, how fast and how they can just – those guys all fly around. It. And it was – modern day, it was like – it was like a jab. They didn't have any knockouts. It was jab, yeah, jab, right. jab. It kind of just – if you're Boston, you're probably just getting ticked off because they're not doing anything that exciting. The one time, again, this is my corner of the end zone, the one time they singled up through, they had him bracketed the whole game except for this one time. It was, you know, Steele gave him an inside release. Brew took it and touchdown. It was, it was like like stealing, no pun intended. That was the only time that I really saw Brew not doubled up and he, he scored a touchdown. That was probably the biggest play for them. I thought Mike Martinez was tremendous. Had the one drop in the fourth quarter down the, down the middle of the scene. That would have been a big play, but Mike was tremendous. Yeah. And I, don't think, I don't think they had any other receivers that made a catch. I need to look at the stats, but I don't remember any other receivers making a play other than Big Mike and Brew. 
Yeah, no, and sometimes it, it that's was, all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. Those yeah. are two pretty, two pretty supremely talented kids, to say the least. And uh, I agree with everything you said. I thought a big piece to the game was modern day's tempo. Their ability to slow the game down, control the football, etch out first downs, and really dictate to Bosco. I thought Bosco got antsy while modern day was dictating to them, which grows frustration with players and coaches. And next thing you know, you're trying to hit a knockout blow as they're pop shotting you right with these jabs you're trying to throw haymakers and while your haymakers are missing they're playing rope a dope Muhammad Ali just jabbing George Foreman in the face and moving and all you're you're swinging and missing trying to knock them out and you know essentially I thought modern day pretty much dominated the game was what I was trying to say Greg in so many words on you know on Twitter if you look at it you know, as holistically, modern day's run defense was, I thought, was solid. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was good enough. Their pass defense, I thought, was exceptional. Um, their run offense, I thought they had a play, Greg, and I kept tweeting this, and I'm not sure if people caught on. They had a weak side lead play, Greg, that would get them four to five yards every time they ran it. It would be third and three, they'd run the weak side lead first down. It'd be fourth and one, they'd run the weak side lead three yards first down. It was a con- it was a conversion play that I guarantee you 100%, Greg, they saw this on film and said this is going to work in a time that we need it. It did over and over again, and that helped them dictate and control tempo by moving the chains, Keeping the ball on the ground. I thought Shakobi Harper ran solid. Uh, shout out to some Bosco kids. I thought Raylan, Raylan Goforce really earned my respect, Greg. Um, I was not a Raylan Goforth guy last year. Yeah. I, 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 you know it. I called him out. Sure. You know, publicly. I called him out, as I'm known to do. And I talked to his dad about it. He says, you know what, Coach? I don't have a problem with it. You are absolutely right. But let me call him out right now. The boy came to play this year. He not only came to play, I saw leadership. I saw, I saw the physicality. I saw the speed. I saw everything that I thought I would see last year. I saw it this year as a senior. So my hat is off to you, Raylan for You earned my respect. I thought uh, Spencer Lott, those linebackers are good. They run and they hit. They get after people. Trent McDuffie. First time I saw Trent McDuffie was last year, Servite Sarah in a scrimmage, and I came back and said, Hey, Greg, they got this kid, Trent McDuffie? You said, Yeah, Keith, he's got an SC offer. Man, this kid's really good. He's better than I thought he was. Really impressed with Trent. Really impressed. I mean, whoever gets him is getting a jewel. There's no question about it. They're, they're, you're probably getting a four year or three or four year starter. I think that much of him. He was outstanding. But uh, Bosco struggled offensively, Greg. They struggled. You, you said receivers get, couldn't get off the press. Of course, on TV, you can't really see that. But I know DJ struggled in the pocket. Um, they pressured him, man. They got after him. And uh, like like Bosco got after Bryce that first game, modern day got after DJ. They, they, they hit him. 
They sacked him. They picked him off twice. And uh, modern day, I don't know if I want to call it a comeback. I don't know if I want to call it an upset, GB. But um, they play with tremendous heart, like they're known to do. Uh, Brew McCoy was special. With, I thought he had to be, and I said that. Brew has got to be special. He was. I said Bryce has got to be special. I thought Bryce did a great job of, of controlling the offense and being a, a, a game manager, and he made a couple special throws that I thought was, were difference-making. It was a great game. And, uh, you know, both teams are loaded and stacked. Come on, we all know it. This is no secret, right? They're two basic all-star teams. It was a great game. It was physical. It was hard-hitting. It was emotional. Great players made great plays. Big players stood up at big moments. And, um, you know, I appreciated it for what it was. Congratulations to the modern-day Monarchs. Jalen Davies was exceptional. Um, Elias Ricks with a huge play to kind of close the deal. Rajon Davis, if I haven't said his name, was probably one of the top, I don't know, three, four players in the game. Very impressed with him and his versatility, GB. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot. Of, I'm sure it was probably really fun being there and then just the energy, the atmosphere, and the competition. It, but it was fun to watch on a live stream, on somebody else's live stream, because my live stream wasn't working. <laughs> no, it was good timing. Everything was, like I always mentioned, the tailgates first. That was a great time. Okay. Shout out to my guy, Mal. Mal, yeah. will be out in LA. Yeah, He's Mal. Uncle. For sure. Dude, he hooked me up with some of the best Hawaiian food, Keith, I ever had. It was insane. So wow. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but no, you know what? It reminded me of, a, you know, a while back. You, you know, I'm a, I'm a UCLA basketball fan. They played Princeton in right. the NCAA tournament. Yes. And that's what it felt, you know, and it, Modern, it's kind of modern day play extremely physical on defense, but offensively, it's almost like watching Princeton, where they were just kind of like they'd milk the clock, milk the clock, run for four yards, milk the clock for thirty seconds, run for three yards. You look at the stats; I think both Sean and Jacoby averaged less than three yards per carry. That was kind of skewed a little bit because they took some negative, yeah. you know, late in the game. Uh, Jacoby had a couple of negative plays. But, yes, you know, it was just like they just they just milked the clock. They managed the game. And for me, that 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 it was great coaching. I don't know if you saw, you know, USA today actually dropped Modern Day behind Bosco because they said their win wasn't as dominant as Bosco's was earlier in the year. And he said the fact that this is the guy from USA Today, the fact that they had to milk the clock shows that they didn't feel they could play with them. Wrong. And for me, that Wrong. was one of the dumbest things I've Wrong. ever seen because. Yeah. Number one, I mean, if you want to have Allen, number one, I, I have no issue with that. Allen's undefeated. They're a great team. Texas is great in football. But th- I've never seen anybody put more value in a, in a league game than a championship game at any level, right? Yeah. And that's what USA Today was doing. If they played again, Bosco, Madre, it might be a different game, but you can't judge it by, okay, well, Bosco beats them by more points in league play. No, all that stuff is wiped out. This is a championship game. That's, this is, takes presence over everything that happened beforehand. So I thought that was really lame by uh, by USA Today to say, oh, well, you know, they played two, they played, they milked the clock because they couldn't play with them. So therefore, we're going to rank Bosco a higher than Modern Day. Like, did you know, did you know this, Keith, that USA Today has Modern Day behind yeah. Bosco? Yeah, so. In I, national yeah, I did learn that not too, not too, not too long ago. Um, they just don't get it, Greg. I mean, I know you feel it's lame. I'm sure I feel it's lame as I'm just really like letting it process in my head. Um, they just, they don't get it. They don't get the psychology of it. 
as I was trying to describe earlier, yeah, Bosco whooped Modern Day. But Modern Day was more locked into IMG than I've seen them locked into anybody. And that was an emotionally devastating game. And it takes everything you have as a competitor. So while another team is gearing up to fight you, you just gave, you've given everything you've had to this other team. So, you know, you're not on your stuff like that. You see it every week in college football and NFL. When you're emotionally spent, what's going to happen? You have those trap games. You have those games where you just can't get it up. You need some Viagra. No Viagra. Just the way it is. It's a great analogy. I'm sorry. It's just it's just it's just the way That's it a is. Perfect analogy. No, like, and I'm not dogging Bosco at all. I do. I love the Bosco program. It's, yeah. It's it's just, it's never happened before in the history of that I've seen in 20 plus years where anyone has valued a league game over a championship. Yeah, game. It's ridiculous. Like it's, it's it's never happened before. Yeah. So uh, it was a little bit like I said, no issue with Allen. Uh, I think Marday and Bosco both would beat Allen, but I have no issue with Allen being number one. They're undefeated. Yeah. And Texas is big, you know, it's not Vermont or Maryland. This is Texas, big time football. Yeah. So, uh, hey, also wanted to, you, you mentioned Lytle. I thought, I thought Spencer played really well. Yes. And I actually got a, I got a text from Daniel Jeremiah mm-hmm. about Raylan Goforth saying, dude, number 10. You know, this guy's unreal. So, um, <laughs> that was very cool. Like, you know, an NFL network guy who doesn't really watch a ton of high school football, though DJ actually does watch the game of the week quite a bit. Yeah. But for him to call out, you know, Raylan and say how, how great he played, I thought that was kind of cool. And, yeah. I think Bosco's defense, man, they were they were really good. I'm glad you mentioned Trent McDuffie because um, there actually were um, a handful of times when it was Trent and Brew one on one, and Trent had him blanketed. So mm-hmm. Trent was tremendous. You know, Chris King, their DC has told me multiple times he's been their best defensive player, not their best corner, their best defensive player this year. Yeah, uh, for many games. Um, I mean, I thought that D line w- was strong. They made a lot of negative plays in the backfield. Um, Suave Pote was really good. Um, no, I, I think uh, I talked to DJ yesterday, which was Monday, after his Clemson visit, and he was still pissed off. The first thing he said, I go, hey, DJ, how you doing? He goes, I'm still mad. And I thought, you know, Clemson visit was going to kind of, you know, make him feel a little bit better. And it did, but he was like, man, I'm still ticked off. I still can't believe we lost. I still can't believe how we didn't play, you know, our best game. So it was funny. He was still, uh, still kind of locked in from the game, but – Shout out to Modern Day, get it done. That was just kind of a typical, a typical, typical win for man. Modern Day. Yeah, kind of remind me of the Robbie's Poly game. Yes, because I know we got we got to we got to get off this. But you know, if you if you were there, and uh, and you you you've seen both teams before, sure. but athlete for athlete, it wasn't close. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like athlete for athlete, Bosco was had so many guys, bigger, faster, stronger guys, all across the board. Yes. Yet Modern Day just kind of found a way. To just get it done. It reminded me like back in the nineties when they would beat Long Beach Poly, but mm-hmm. Long Beach Poly had, you know, Mercedes Lewis and Manuel Wright sure. and Darnell Bing and Modern Day had guys that look like, you know, da- David Castleton, guys. right. Absolutely David Castleton, perfect example. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Modern Day just they were able to gut it out and, and get it done. So let's move on. Are you got any final thoughts on move on to go to D D two, the Rancho Verde Upland game. Yes, yes. This this deserve it's it deserves its time as well. I didn't get a chance to see it. I did read about it. And I know you have some thoughts and, and, and you got a chance to see some of it, Greg. Talk to me. I know I picked Upland. I thought the Davis brothers would stand tall. Rancho Verde, though, going into the game, as you text me, I guess the day of the game or maybe the day before, they were going in dinged up, man. Shorthanded. 
They got guys out. GB, talk about it a little bit, man. Set the yeah. table. So when we did the show on Tuesday, I didn't know this, but uh, I texted Pete Duffy, who's you know probably my closest friend out of all the head coaches. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, good luck. Um, you know, I hope you guys you know play your best. And, and he was and he was the most like down trotting guy I've ever heard. And if you know Pete at all, we had on the radio show last week or last on the podcast. You know how he's your typical Bostonian, loud, sure. obnoxious, gregarious, right? Big personality. He goes, AJ separate the shoulder. He's not going to play. And I was like, what? So he heard in the third quarter. He still played the last fourth the fourth quarter of the Notre Dame game and had the two touchdowns, but. We after the game we got an examined, he's out. He goes our running back, Xavier Gregorji, he's out. He separated something the week before. We don't have him. He goes, We're gonna move Jackson Turner, who's been our best receiver, uh, to quarterback. He hasn't thrown a ball this whole year. And then he also told me that Ty McCullough, who has like twenty touchdowns, he goes, He's out also. He goes, So I have no idea how we're gonna pull this off. Right. You know, he goes, I just gotta he's gotta try to because I'm watching the film. And Upland's great. He's like, but there, there are some plays to be made. If we can make those, we got a chance. And obviously, they didn't make the play. They scored their opening drive, Keith. That was the interesting part. They scored them on their opening drive, went like 60 yards, and then didn't score the rest of the game. They they, they put a, you know, I was kind of used the term, kind of a little lift kind of pig. They scored one like in garbage time when it was already kind of over. And Upland just warmed down. Uh, Justin Flo did play. He was tremendous. He had a four tackles for loss. Everybody probably saw his big hit on Twitter. But he had the final sack, uh, sack of the final play of the game. He was incredible. So was Jonathan. Um, already mentioned Deadman. You know, Cam Davis got hurt too. So Upland, Upland's not playing at full strength. Cam Davis is is pretty dang good at football. The difference was Upland. You know, they had their second. You know, their backups were much better than Rancho's backups. And you know, Rancho all year long, I kept doubting them. I kept saying, I just I don't get how they're winning games. You know, they're a team that just doesn't look like. A division two final. I think I picked them to lose the quarters, the semis, and then they, you know, yeah. they just kept finding ways to get it done. Upland looks like a team. I think they're going to probably get moved up to D one next year, um, but they look like a D one team to me. You know, talking to Pete, he's like, he's like, man, we're not a D one team. He goes, I hope they take into consideration. I know the last couple of years, the D two finalists have got moved up to D one. He goes, if you look how many students we have, and you just watch our team and how we beat teams, he's all. We're not a D1 team. We can't, and he wasn't like trying to, you know, do the whole Lou Holtz thing and sugarcoat it. He's like, it's not going to be fair to you know to the kids to have them go try to play against Bosco or Mari or Oaks when our offensive line averages 215 pounds across the board. Right. He goes, our D line, we had two guys that were under 200 pounds on our starting D line, and we're we're expected to go out there and stop Cam Davis. And he goes, we we we'll try. You know, he's all, well, we'll give it our best. We're going to play hard. But just their 250-pound guy versus our 195-pound guy, eventually something's going to give. And in the second half, you know, we saw, you know, Rancho actually was up 7-6 at halftime. Upland kind of had a couple field goals. And, and, and in the second half, it was just really, it was Upland just physically kind of overwhelming them on both sides of the ball and, and getting that win. So congrats to Upland. I hope I didn't make it sound like Rancho lost it versus Upland won it. Uh, Upland deserved to win. They knocked off Calabasas in the semifinals with, you know, some great defense and Cam Davis was big and they, they go beat the number one seed. So Upland definitely deserved it. And, um, you know, happy for Coach Salter, happy for, you know, for those guys, the classy group. Um, so 
Yeah, it was, it was just, I think when you when you see two teams meet the final, Keith, I think we, we always kind of want to see them at their best. That was the only disappointing part was, you feel like Rancho playing with their starting quarterback. Yeah. Who threw for, you know, 40 touchdowns. They're starting running back, their best receiver. You just felt like they weren't playing um, their best. And maybe Upland wins anyway. It just would have been fun to, to see the game play out that way. Yeah, it's tough. I know as a former coach, that that's that's tough. But you know it's part of the game, Greg. Absolutely, 100%. And yep. you know it's a possibility. This is why you practice. This is why you train from January. This is why those backups get their reps. This is why um, you coach every kid hard and make sure that they're ready and prepared so that you can put them in a position to be successful just in case things like this pop up. Uh, but to have it happen in a championship game, it's unfortunate. Uh, but it is the reality of the sport, it is the reality of life. And uh, shout out to Rancho Verde. They gave it everything they had. But Upland, Juju Deadman and company, Taj Davis. And what about the show? Justin Flo coming downhill with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bang, bang. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Justin Flo. Bringing that smoke with the big time Jadavion Clowney smash in the backfield that's gone viral, Greg Biggins. That Justin Flo, man, he plays with that intensity. I love, man. That guy, he'll, he'll make it. you look like a good coach, GB. He does this every game. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he has one of those kill shots every game. So, yeah. I mean, that hit was spotlighted, but man, hey, so D3. And uh, you picked Sierra Canyon. I, I honestly, I, I felt Sierra Canyon was going to win. I, I picked Cajon only because I picked them from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but I thought Sierra Canyon was the better team. And I mentioned a couple coaches told me that the same thing. They were they were going to pick Sierra Canyon, and and they're able to get it done. It's a little more sound, yeah. a little more fundamental, and a little better defensively. And you know, in a game like this, EJ Gable. Uh, you know, big game. The defense stepped up and held. It sounds funny holding the guy under 300 yards, but it's hard to hold Jaden Daniels at the high school level to under 300 yards, and they were able to do that. Um, here at Kenyon, Keith, they led almost the entire game. In fact, I think they almost – I think Cone led at one point in the third quarter, but they had to rally. Here was up by two, three scores right. in the first half. Uh, Cajon took a late lead. Sierra Kenyon answered right back. Um Kenyon had one last chance. They did a little halfback, uh, halfback throw to Daniels, who got tackled at the three-yard line. Um, a little, little trickeration inside the red zone. That would have been – that was on fourth down, so that would have given Cajon the lead. Um, Terry Kenyon had the ball, uh, obviously, turned over on downs, and then they were able to run the clock out. Gable had a big 40-yard run to kind of get them out of the red zone or out of the, uh, out of the end zone, his own end zone, and they were able to, to – uh, to kill the clock and, and win that game 34 to 30. So Sierra Kenyon, man, they, they, they really, really deserve this one. They, they've been great all year. They had a bunch of guys out early on. It was so, I mean, I would, I would get a, a weekly DM from my guy, Chayden Perry saying, Hey, you know, give me the little rundown. You know, we lost the game, but you know, I, we got guys coming back. Um, we're, we're like a play away. Like they were, a, they, they might've been Owen three to start off the year. I think they were a play away from literally winning almost every game they lost. So yeah. played a, played a great schedule. Um, I, I know they just barely lost to Westlake. I want to say I think lost they barely lost to Lawndale. Um, so th- and they 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 were really good uh, late 
they had a huge win over Grace Brethren, which is even bigger now that Grace Brethren won the D4 title. Um, they had some big wins. They had a tough loss to Calabasas, so they actually were 0-2, lost to Calabasas during the, this, during the season. But they rallied and beat Citrus Hill, who was the number two seed, 27-3 last week, and then they able to get it done against Cajon. So hats off. Sierra Canyon, man. We talked about a lot, a lot last year, Keith, just about how they, they have a program. They're not a team that's going to be up and down depending on what player personnel they have. They are a, a program, which means every year they're going to be good because that's just kind of how they're built. They're built with their freshmen, sophomores come up, and they kind of continue to reload, and they have a system, and they're going to just give you, they're going to be really good every single year. So uh, great job by the coaches getting those guys ready to play and beating a really, really good Cajon team. They're going to the regional finals now, Sierra Canyon is, so... Uh, they might, I think they might be playing Upland. That'll be it for the Friday show, but that'll be a fun game for sure. Yeah, a, le- a lesson to be learned here. Scheduling tough early can get you prepared to make a deep run in the playoffs and possibly a championship run, Greg Biggins. You said it best. Sierra Canyon played a very, very challenging schedule. It got them battle-tested, ready and prepared to play a Cajon team that's supremely talented, was a state finalist squad last year, returned just about everybody, loaded with players. Sierra Canyon goes in and they pop them. And uh, look for Sierra Canyon to move up divisions, Greg. Look for that to happen. In terms of Division 1, I believe only Private schools should be in Division One. That's my belief. But I think Division Two could be great, or, or it is great, could be even greater. Division Three can be great, and Division Four would take those leftovers. But Divisions Two and Three, I think that's where it's at. Um, and I think that Sierra Canyon's going to be moving up here soon, and um, that'll be a good test for them. But they've got it, like you said, they got a good program. They've got young kids. They've got you know a very good lower level, you know, group and team and. They got a program, and they're doing some good things. Sierra Canyon, CIF champs, congratulations. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think the, the buzz is, you know, Long Beach Poly is probably going to move down to D2. And I heard even maybe Servite, oh, that would surprise me. But if Poly, that would just be weird seeing Poly in D2. Just the world Very would look weird. like Long Beach Poly. It, so yeah. one of those deals where if somebody moves down, someone's got to move up. I would love to, like you said, man, it, keep, keep some of the big privates in their own little division yep. let them beat up on each other uh so d4 uh grace brethren gets it done 26 to 14 man talk about a great run for grace brethren um taking down uh villa park in the semis uh paramount in the second round and st bonaventure big in the first round and it was it was just playoff football man they were able to run the ball for over 300 yards um it wasn't just digs Diggs only had 79 yards on 19 carries, but um, Mikey Zelli, the quarterback, ran for 74. Josh Henderson ran for 100, uh, 300 total. They did a nice job. I mean, Ethan Garver threw for 280, but it was a quiet 280. Quiet. A couple interceptions. Yeah. They really did a nice job bracketing John Humphreys. Um, kind of shut him out. Got five catches for 55 yards. Um, wherever he went, he had either a linebacker, a corner, and a safety, all kind of in his general area. And he was a non-factor. You know, Mark Redmond, really good tight end. He had six catches for 70 yards uh, and a touchdown. So he was probably their, their go-to guy. But they weren't able to run the ball at all. Mm-hmm. They had 37 yards rushing total, Keith, to compared to 301. 
December football, and, Greg. November football, Greg. Yeah, no doubt. If you are going to give – you're not going to ever win a game with that kind of discrepancy unless you're just one of those offenses like, you know, Washington State that's going to be able to put up 50 points, throw in the ball. But Corona Mar was not able to do that. Grayson obviously controlled the clock. And therefore, they were able to control this game. So, hats off to Grace Brethren. I don't think people just, I don't think people know how many players they lost. Like, legit. Yeah. Legit players. I mean, Jordan Banks, Brandon Jones, Seven McGee. I mean, these are high end BCS college level prospects. No question. And they, they won CF last year. They move up a division and they still win CIF again. I mean, that's, you got to have great coaching. Josh Henderson, who I believe, might have been the runner-up for that Oaks Christian job. Josh Henderson, man, doing some big things at Grace Brethren. Great job uh, by that program. Um, Division four champs. That's that's awesome for that program. Yeah, a couple kids to shout out. Stanley Tafu. He was dominant in the run game. Shut, you know, shutting out uh, CDM in the second half. Also, Justin Skidmore. I mean, they totally locked it down, gave up zero points in the second half. And shout-out to 2020 corner George Bowers. Matched up versus Humphrey, had some help, but locked down and, 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 and put the clamp on. CDM got to be able to run the football late in November, Greg. I don't care you know, if you got Cliff Kingsbury calling the offense or not. You have to be able to run the ball. If you don't, it will come back to haunt you. It did for CDM. A great year. Garbers is really good. Humphreys is special. The tight end's very good. But Grace Brethren, they have a formula for success. Physical front, pound the ball, insert some QB run stuff, and play tough, grind-nose defense. I like what they, they're doing. They were a state finalist last year as well, um, like Cajon was. They didn't win it in state, but they, they're in a regional game now, another CIF championship, and uh, well-deserved. The coach is doing a great job, and that Grace Brethren program, Grace Brethren program, they're probably going to be moving out. What do you say, GB? I agree. I yeah. agree. Um, the- I, I, I hope not, but I get it. You know, they're, deep, they're D4. Um, maybe they got to move to D3 now, but this is, I mean, you can, I, I, I feel like D2, D3, and D4 are all kind of similar teams. Just keep them away from Bosco and Modern Day and Centennials of the world, right? Just let those guys beat up on each other. Uh, I don't want to see Grace keep moving up and moving up and having to play against those guys. And all of a sudden, like San Clemente for me, you know, I love Jaime Ortiz. I feel like they belong in D2. And, you know, they won D2. Are they ever going to win D1? Will they ever make it to the semifinals? Maybe. Um, but I just feel like some teams, you know, they're just built to be in D2. Just let's leave them in D2. <laughs> let's go to D5. D- D5, that? let's go. Uh, Lawndale, Travis Clark, get the done. Yes. Birdies. You yeah, yeah. those guys all the way up to the final. Yep. Lawndale, 34 to 20. Uh, big guy I mentioned before, Jordan Wilmore with the 200 yards and the, and the three touchdowns. And, you know, really happy for Travis Clark. Uh, you won't find a, a more classy coach ever it, like in, at any level. That's just, if any coach deserved this, it would be, it'd be Travis. Lawndale program has been strong all year. Very similar to Sierra Canyon. Lost some early games. Um, Lost to Narbonne. They, I want to say they actually beat Sierra Canyon in their opener. Um, 
So, I mean, hats off to Lawndale for scheduling up. We had Travis on the podcast last year. He said, hey, I want to play Sarah. Yeah. I want to play Narbonne. Will we win? Probably not. I don't care. Like, he just he wants to play those those games and those teams. And he said it's going to make us better. It's going to kind of show us what we need to work on. You know, you beat a team, what, 50 to nothing, Keith? Did you find out anything about your team and, and what you need to work on? And no. you got guys just running over players all the time. It's, so... I think that's a strategy that that more teams need need to look at. Is don't just try to fill up your schedule with cupcakes. You know, go play some teams, and if you win, great. If you lose, you're going to learn more. So uh, I know they they lost the Calabasas was their was their other loss, and they rolled. You know, they they beat Culver City, who won a championship D seven. Um, they uh, excuse me, they did beat Sierra Canyon in their opener. So uh, hats off to them. Really good program. Really happy for Travis. Uh, Jordan Wilmore, like you mentioned before, All-American, uh, big-time performance in the big yeah. game. It was needed. Yeah. And, yeah, congrats. Cardinals. You know, you know, recruiting uh, – I'm taking it somewhere, Greg, so bear with me. Recruiting, projections, blase, blase is one thing. But at some point, Greg, you have to be able to measure a man's, a young man's heart – what type of care is 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 he a is he a Miami kid, right? And there's an old term in South Florida, is he a Miami kid, right? And that means blood and guts. That means is he gonna die on that field before he lets us lose in that championship game? Jordan Wilmore is that guy. He's not the biggest running back. He's not the fastest kid, but I tell you what, the boy got hard. I knew this when I recruited him out of middle school. You know, when he was playing Inglewood Pop Warner, he was our number one target. And the kid, he's got the heart, Greg. he got the guts. He's going to lay it on the line for you. And it doesn't surprise me that he came up huge 200 yards in the first half in a championship game. Uh, Jordan Wilborn, he's not going to run 4-3, okay? He's not, he's not going to be 6'2", 225. But uh, he, what he will do is play big in the big moments and produce for his team and not let you down as a coach. That's for a coach that doesn't want to get fired. You recruit that guy. Those are, you know, those are, he's a Miami guy. And, you know, those are the guys that I would recruit if I'm a coach. Talented, yes, but not the most talented. But the the kid just has that, you know, intestinal fortitude. He has that will of a champion, and he's going to lay it on the line for his team, and he will produce and get the job done. More kids like that, Kenichi Udesi might have a job. <laughs> and I'm 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 on the uh, I'm on the hot wire right now. Yeah, hotline looks like T. Martin just let go. Yeah. And it's so quarterback coach for USC just got and I'm on the hot wire with you. He just got the office of coordinator job at Tennessee. How about that? Who did the quarterbacks coach for USC? The former, I guess the former quarterback oh, coach Ellis? now. Yes. Oh, okay. Ellis. He Ellis. got the OC job at Tennessee, which okay. obviously, yeah. as you said earlier, Tennessee had a chance to get T last year. Didn't want him. And seems like they don't want him now, but you know, he'll Isn't end up weird? somewhere and you know, yeah. You know, good luck to Coach Martin, but you know, let go there at USC. And hey, when you go five and seven, Greg Biggin, uh, people got to be accountable. Be accountable means heads are going to roll. Yeah, 
I guess. And that's why I'm talking on this microphone, GB, and I'm not coaching college somewhere. 18-year-olds are not going to determine my livelihood. That's what's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, my man. It's not going to happen. Hey, so let's just run down quickly the, the other winners just because we can. Yep. South Hills knocked off Oxnard. Big win for them. Yep. Uh, we know what kind of talent that Oxnard had. J.R. Waters did have a big 90-something-yard touchdown. But uh, Cobra City, uh, happy for those guys. We got several D1 players. No uh, – uh, Know that program really well. So Culver City knocked off just San Jacinto, sixty-one to twenty-one. Uh, Kaiser over Arcadia, thirty-eight to thirty-five to win D eight. Uh, San Gorgonio beat Brea Alinda, twenty-one to seventeen in Division Nine. It's a lot of divisions here, Keith. Division Ten, Eisenhower over Highland, thirty-five to eighteen. You know, back in the day when I first started. Eisenhower, led by Glenn Tompkins, laid oh. the biggest beatdown I've oh, ever modern seen day. over modern day. Oh yeah, in the championship game, oh, that yeah. one. That what was, was that? Uh, what was that, Greg? Ninety four, three, something like that. Ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, yeah. somewhere around then. Might have yeah. been ninety five. Might have been ninety five. Yeah, yeah, right around then. Yeah, Glenn Tompkins. Uh, Western, yeah, sure. Yeah, Glenn Tompkins was special UCLA guy. Western knocked off Peninsula forty nine to twenty one to win D eleven. Yeah, Linfield Christian. They were ridiculously loaded, seventy to thirty-two over Artesia. I think I don't think anybody got within thirty points of Linfield Christian all year long. They should not be D twelve. They should move up. And then, really, really happy for my guy Galiba, dude. Adelanto one and nine last year. This year they go and win a CF championship. Knocked off Orange Vista twenty to fifteen. Marshawn Buchanan, uh, really good running back. I mentioned before, got offered by Utah State. So Adelanto and the Fighting Galiba dudes win a CF championship just one year removed from a one and nine season and that is it Keith that is 13 divisions of CAF high school football sweet Adelanto one and nine a championship I respect it um, there's been a lot of noise about that in terms of you know transfers and blase blase but listen every transfers are everywhere um, they got the job done and um, you know hey they, they're CIF champions. One, really quickly, Greg, want to talk about that Eisenhower team. What's R.J. Sauer? Was he a sophomore on that team? Am I correct about that? I think I think R.J. I think he was a sophomore, yeah. Was he? Yeah, a sophomore. Glenn Tompkins was a senior quarterback, and they haven't won a CIF championship since that 95 yeah. year. And. That was insane. Yeah, they had a load. It was like a track meet every football game. I remember they, were, they had a running back who was really good too. It's it's slipping my mind right now, but he was really really good. Um, so Satoa Laumea, Greg, your boy. He was dominant in the championship game. I saw the film. Wow, he must have had twenty five pancake blocks in the championship. <laughs> he, he was probably pretty full. Bunch of syrup. Man, this is this is a this is a high end, you know, player playing against guys who probably shouldn't be playing against guys like him. Oh yeah, no, no question. <laughs> I mean, he'd be doing that in D one. Yeah, no, he's really he's better than been being given credit for. I can tell you that right now. He's really good, and his his ceiling is really high because he's still, you know, I wouldn't say raw, but he still has a lot to to learn and work on. But I think he's going to the right place, but he hasn't committed yet, so I'm going to keep that quiet. 
Um, I think he'll go to the right plays that's going to continue to develop his skill set and maximize that skill set. But he's a really, really good player, really, really good player, NFL player uh, yeah, in the no. future. Four's up, Keith. You can go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Everyone knows. That, that, listen, man, I didn't say that. I don't know that, Greg Biggins. USC is still trying. I know Cal still trying. Yeah. USC, Cal, Cal absolutely. Utah's going to trip him in. Yes. Um, so it was 19. I, I was Googling while as you were speaking. Okay. Uh, it was 1993. Three. And it okay. Was 56 to three. Yes, I remember. Oh, my goodness. I, I was I was literally at that game at Adam Stadium. They used to always play the championship game there. Right. Um, and that was a, you know, my day was 12 and two. Yeah. You know, that game, but. Uh, Who was yeah, the running back, Greg? What was his name? Let's see. Yeah, let's see if they say. I, I, I can't. Um, he was really good, but I can't remember his name. But I do remember. Oh, Marlon, Marlon Farlow. There you go. Marlon Farlow. Yeah. There you go. I think, he went to, I think he signed with USC. Yes, I believe Wasn't so. He a USC guy? I believe so, yes. Yeah, he had 200 yards on 13 carries. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't <laughs> bad. Scored a 93 yarder and a 40 yarder. Yeah, I can't even imagine nowadays Eisenhower being on the same field as modern day, more or less winning 60. 56 to 3. Well, you know, it's a different modern day these days, Greg. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit. At and modern different, day. Different, different Eisenhower as well. I don't see any sure. Marlon Farlows or Glenn Tompkins over there. So, yeah. Hey, also, Chief, we got to give some love to Narbonne, the Gauchos. We kind of neglected the city section. <laughs> and I think for yeah. me, the reason was I, it was just so lopsided. Um, the, and obviously, the for me, this is kind of crazy. I think they won, uh, they beat Garfield by like 50. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up as we're, as we're Yeah, it was here, like 56 to 6. 55 to 7. Yeah. It's a championship game. I mean, a championship game. I mean, I just kind of mentioned Eisenhower beating modern day. But for the most part, um, a championship game kind of should be a little bit closer than that. Maybe just a little bit closer than that. So, But, hey, hats off to Narbonne. Great talent. They played a great schedule to get ready for this. Right. And just went out and blew out everybody in their path. They're going to play. I'm Thinking Cathedral Catholic, who's a really good team, yes. the top team in San Diego. Poma, they're play, yeah. Yes, um, DJ Ralph, the quarterback. So they're going to play them in a SoCal regional game. That should be a lot of fun to watch. But uh, yeah, Narbon just all over them. Jake Garcia, twelve of fifteen for one eighty. Um, Josh Jackson had a touchdown defensively. I think they scored like defensively on a punt return, on a fumble recovery. I mean, they scored. In every way you could possibly score, just men among boys. Deuce Tapua, three or four sacks in that one. Jordan Berry, Gauchos, very good team. They they play like a CF, like a, like a high level CF Division One team. The way they just go out there and and just physically overwhelm teams. So. I'm looking forward to seeing them play Cathedral Catholic next weekend. This weekend, no doubt. I'm ready to wrap this up, GB. But, but, fre- up, but fresh up, off the presses, you ready for this one? USC defensive coach Ronnie Bradford, you're fired. Gonzo. You're out of here. I just saw him, a picture of him at Chris Steele's house, four-star corner out of St. John Bosco. It was all smiles just 24 hours ago. You're gone. USC cleaning house. Clay Helton cleaning house. I might need to brush off my resume, Greg Biggins. Nah, I'm good. You're good. I'm good.
You're, you're good. I'm, I'm good. Let's wrap this, baby. I appreciate you guys for joining us on the Transparent Truth. Please check back in with us on Friday for the matchup show. We'll be going to be breaking down all the regional games, and uh, we're going to find out who Coach Keith is going to pick to go to a state championship game. Without further ado, for your man Greg Biggins, it's your boy Coach Keith. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.